0: The
1: Cavaliers are parading in the streets of Cleveland today. An estimated 1.3 million fans to come and join J.R. Smith going shirtless in the streets. Man, what a day. And I don't say that because of the Cavaliers. I say that because of all the trades which we addressed previously but now we got to talk about the draft which is tomorrow night in the Barclays Center taking place in the Barclays Center. We have Reed Horner and Matt Murphy going to the draft and they are joining me today on this podcast to talk about what could happen tomorrow night. Guys, it's been a crazy week in the NBA. We as I said, the Cavaliers are now champions. We've had trades and this is and we haven't even gotten to start talking about the draft, which is a great time of time of year. Uh, we all know what's going to happen. One and two reports coming out that it's going to be Ben Simmons going number one to Philly, and Brandon Ingram going number two to the Lakers. Uh, Cleveland.com first report the Simmons, the Simmons news, and ESPN confirmed it. Uh, other reports saying that Ingram has been informed he'll be selected by LA. So those two are are what we expected to happen. But starting at three, and Reed, you said this in your mock draft. The Celtics is where it gets tricky. They have the Brooklyn Nets pick at number three, but there are reports that they've been trying to trade the pick. We saw Gordon Hayward, Hayward's name uh, get floated out there in Utah, although Utah apparently rejected any deal involving Hayward. And we also saw Chris Middleton and Jabari Parker as other names uh, from the Bucks, but that deal apparently was rejected as well by the Bucks. So, Reed, I want to ask you, what do you think is going to happen at number three with the Celtics pick? Do you think they trade it? Do you think they, they stick with it? And if they do, who do you think they go with?
0: I think that they want to get rid of this pick. They've shown they want to get rid of this pick. I think they know, like all of us, that this draft, after the first two picks, really loses its depth talent-wise. That being said, I think Boston will hold on to this pick. Um, and that means they need to find some perimeter scoring. They had, they they also need a lot of other things, but they're going to look for Jamal Murray, I believe, with his third pick and surprise a couple people because the debate has been Murray. A lot of people think Buddy Heald out of Oklahoma should be selected over Murray, right? Because maybe he's a better shooter or whatever. But I think Murray's play style fits better with Boston. Buddy Heald may be a better shooter than him, but Buddy Heald has much more of a street ball style of game, a lot more dribbling, a lot more ball centric and then shooting a lot like Isaiah Thomas who's already a Celtic and I think those two styles would clash too much I think Jamal Murray is a lot better at catching the ball and shooting, coming off of picks and just purely trying to shoot the ball and the, And Boston's going to know that so they're going to take Jamal over uh, Buddy
2: Matt? I agree with Reed in that Boston definitely has made it known that they want to trade this third pick, they're one of the three teams that have three first round picks, Boston has pick number three number 16 and number 23, and they're already a playoff team. They're a really good team with a great coach and Brad Stevens, a really good young coach, so they can afford to take a chance. I, just, I also agree with Reed that I don't think they're going to get a trade done for this number three pick, and I think they're going to end up selecting a player. I think overall Chris Dunn is the best player on the board, but he doesn't really fit with, they, with their needs, and I put a lot of stock into, into uh, pre-draft workouts, and I think they've worked out Jalen Brown from Cal twice in the last two weeks. While I don't really necessarily like Jalen Brown, he's a guy with a ton of upside, and maybe Boston's a team that is already kind of set where they can take a chance on a guy like him. So I think Jalen Brown might be the pick at number three to Boston if no trade happens.
1: I agree with you guys. I don't think a trade's going to get done, and it's for the reason that teams just don't see this draft as a very strong draft. It's seen as a two-player draft with Simmons and Ingram, and then afterwards, it's sort of a question mark. I I see a lot of potential. Uh, with Murray and with Dunn and Healed and there's and Bender, there's a lot of talent to be had, but it's 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 kind of a question mark. It's not necessarily a safe pick. So if you're a team like the Jazz who have Hayward, who's a pretty darn good player, an All-Star caliber player, and you have the Bucks who are still kind of hoping Parker will be healthy and continue to develop and Middleton, who's a good shooting guard, then. I don't think a deal will get done. Although I think the Bucks should trade Chris Middleton for the number three pick. That's just my, my, my opinion, because although Middleton's a great player, I think you could have a better player at number three, but I don't think a deal's going to get done. I think the Jalen Brown thing makes a lot of Jalen, Jalen Brown projection makes a lot of sense. Although I'm not a huge Brown fan. I do put, put a lot of stock into workouts beforehand. I, I think they can't really go point guard though, guys, because They have Marcus Smart, they have Isaiah Thomas, unless they're willing to move one of them. Isn't that kind of a glut at the point guard position?
2: Yeah, and uh, Chris Dunn, actually, I don't believe he worked out for either Boston or Phoenix teams that are set at the point guard position because he, he made it known he wants to go in and play right away. So Minnesota and a couple of picks after Minnesota, after number five, would be ideal for Chris Dunn. So, yeah, Boston and Chris Dunn aren't really a fit, even though, Chris Dunn is already more of a proven player than most of the guys in this draft.
0: Yeah, I I agree with Matt. I think Dunn is maybe my favorite player in this draft after Simmons and Ingram, and a lot of people don't know how good he is because he did play at Providence. He didn't really have very many high-level games, nationally televised games. So I agree with you perfectly on that. And also, I just don't think Boston will take him because he doesn't fit them. Again, I don't think Jamal Murray is the third-best player in this draft. I think, as you mentioned, Isaiah Thomas, Marcus Smart, those guys, but Thomas more need the ball in their hands, yeah. and I really trust that Murray can de- can develop into a catch and shoot, kind of maybe hit two or two three threes a game, and then see maybe if he can become more.
1: I actually think Murray's a great prospect. Uh, he was a gr- big time recruit coming out of Canada, but I think Heald, and and I agree with what you said, Reed. Heald could be a little bit of a. I think Heald has more
0: upside than Murray.
1: Yeah, but Heald, although you said he's a street ball style. He's a pure shooting guard who can shoot just as well as anybody we've seen in recent drafts. He's right there with a the Steph Curry as far as shooting goes, although he's not as good as Steph Curry. He's that kind of yeah. shooting prospect. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind to see, see Boston go with Buddy Heal. I think that would actually be a good fit. It'd be more exciting. But it's a problem. Do they actually – should they go big? But the problem with Boston is they're trying to contend, so they want more of a more uh, NBA-ready player. I don't know. I don't know who they go with, but as you said, Chris Dunn is a prospect that we all like. Chris Dunn is a guy who's big, six foot four, can really defend, can get to the basket, and he's not as bad a shooter as, as people once labeled him to be. Phoenix is the next pick at number four, and Matt, you said that they didn't work him out, but there are reports um, from Sean Devaney, who's, who covers the Suns, that Eric Bledsoe could potentially be traded by the Suns, so maybe that opens up some room for them to go after a guy like Dunn at number 4. I don't know if that changes what you guys think about where Dunn could go. Um, maybe he is in play there in the desert.
2: Yeah, if that's true and Bledsoe does get traded and, and uh, Boston doesn't trade number 3 and ends up picking someone other than Dunn and Dunn's on the board at 4, certainly that could be a fit with Phoenix, even though he didn't work out with them. It could he definitely just wants to go somewhere where he'll, where he'll be able to play right away, and if, if they get rid of Bledsoe, then that's a possibility. But assuming that doesn't happen, and and Dunn, even if Dunn's still there, I think Phoenix would maybe go with a guy like Marquise Chris from the University of Washington, who's very, very raw, like a lot of prospects in this draft, but he's been soaring up draft boards just based on his athleticism. Him, or I, I saw in Reed's mock drafts, he's got the uh, Croatian Dragon Bender there, another possibility. I, I like both picks. Both of them need a long time to develop, but the good thing for Phoenix is they've got time to wait.
0: Yeah, well, I had Bender going at to Phoenix, assuming Bledsoe's on the roster. Um, they already have Devin Booker, and they have Bledsoe, and they have some, some pretty good talented wings. And I like Bender, not because I think he's going to have an impact right when he comes in as Matt said he's 18 years old. He's not, he's he's, he's going to be a development. But he's not like a Christoph Porzingis, which which a lot of people want to make him out to be. He's not the next Christoph Porzingis. He's actually a big man who, who excels at passing the ball, which I love. At 7 1, I believe they could really turn him into a player who gets the ball down low and then can distribute it from a higher point than anyone else on the court and really help develop players like Booker, who's still just making his own name in the league, maybe even. Make Bledsoe a better team, and and down the road, who knows what he could become? He's 18 years old, at yeah. seven one. I don't think you can really well, miss on someone like that.
1: Yeah, and you said it with Bender. He's he's gonna be the youngest international prospect we've ever seen at 18 years old. He can run the floor. He's not necessarily as athletic as Porzingis, and he admitted it today in uh, pre-draft interviews. But he's a guy who can really run the floor. He can really shoot. He's seven foot one, and Porzingis did him a huge, huge uh, solid by playing the way he did last year because he kind of helped ease that stigma of European players. And a guy like Bender, you're looking at Phoenix, they don't necessarily have to win now. I mean, they're, they're really developing. They're in rebuild mode. So why not take a shot on a guy like Bender, pair him with a guy like Alex Len, and you have your point guard in Brandon Knight. Yeah. If they don't want to go that route and they want to go point guard, and you, then you have Chris Dunn there. But I like Bender there as well. As I said, Davini, uh, an NBA writer, um, is reporting has 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 noted that a potential Eric Bledsoe move could happen. It doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's a, there's a strong chance, but it could happen. And if that happens, then Chris Dunn could be in the in the desert. And I think Chris Dunn deserves to be a top five pick. Um, but th- that brings us to number five, and that's where I think Dunn goes to the Timberwolves, although they have Rubio and they have um, Levine there. Levine's more of a two, but they have Wiggins there as well. So do you guys think they, they go small there, or do you think they go big?
2: If Chris Dunn's on the board, I think Minnesota would absolutely consider taking – well, they probably would take him at that spot. And Reed was saying before we, we came on for this podcast how good of a young team the Timberwolves are Becoming, they had the Rookie of the Year with Carl Anthony Towns. Add Chris Dunn into Andrew Wiggins and Towns, and that's a, a team that's ready to go right now and be almost a contender. They're going to be a playoff team probably next year, especially because Chris Dunn is a, a mature college point guard.
0: Yeah, it it would be unfair because I like Dunn. I'm not worried about you talked about him not being able to shoot. I'm not worried about that. I love Dunn because he's an NBA-ready six four point guard. Who prides himself on defense and not, and just knowing that my player coming onto my team if I'm a, if I'm a GM has that type of mindset that I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna grind and no one's gonna score on me. I just think that does well for not only him as a player but the whole culture as a whole. And and as Matt said, you 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 put them with that young Ross or Wiggins and Towns, and I just think that would be the greatest place for him to develop and really showcase his skills.
1: And he's the Tom Thibodeau mold. I mean. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's He's that grinded
0: out. How many times do you hear a player say, I want to play defense? I even heard things about on his workouts. If he worked out with other prospects, he would not do it unless he got to play them one-on-one in front of people because he really believes in his defensive game. And to me, maybe it's my own personal preference. I'm Love that so much to me. But another
2: thing to, to watch out for is the Sixers have been heavily linked to Chris Dunn as well, so they might be a team that tries to trade into the top five. I know Minnesota was shopping this pick at number five, so we got to monitor that pretty closely. They were in talks with Chicago before the whole Derrick Rose thing went down today, which I'm sure we'll get into about possibly a Jimmy Butler a trade centered around Jimmy Butler, which I don't think would happen anymore because it was either keep Rose and then trade Butler or keep Butler and build around him. And that's looking more like what Chicago is going to do. So Minnesota might end up picking at number five, but watch out for the Sixers if they don't try to move up and pair Chris Dunn with the number one pick, Ben Simmons.
1: Yeah, that's interesting you mentioned that, Matt, because I saw that as well that the Sixers really like Chris Dunn, and they've been having tremendous guard issues for a while now, although Ish Smith uh, played really really well for them last year. Could you see – I mean, I I would have to assume J- Jaleel Okafor or Nerlens Noel or even Embiid would have to be in that deal.
0: But uh, would they, how much would they be worth?
1: Oh, Okafor played well last year. So if if Thibodeau is willing to take Okafor and pair him with Towns, could you imagine those two playing together after last year them being the two, the two big men and everybody? Yeah, well, I think on?
0: Okafor could play even better somewhere else because it's. Pretty obvious. He wasn't motivated to play for the 76 Sixers, you know. Boston
2: really wants Okafor, I believe. So that number three could be a spot where the Sixers move up to. But I feel like those trade talks might have died down a little bit in in the recent weeks. But as far as Okafor and, and or Embiid or Noel go, I think Embiid's you can't really get much for him right yeah. now. He hasn't played a minute in the NBA. But Nerlens Noel. Nerlens Noel or Okafor could go to Boston or, or Minnesota. I haven't heard much about a Sixers-Minnesota trade, but I know Minnesota has been shopping that number five pick.
0: This draft is going to be so unpredictable just because there's not as much talent as teams would want. Everyone's mm-hmm. going to try and trade. Everyone's going to try and do this because there's a lot of potential free agents they could get instead and a lot more proven players that are already in the league. And, and it's going to be crazy.
1: Well, speaking of unpredictable, how about today with the trades that we saw? Most importantly, the New York Knicks trading for Derrick Rose. They also got Justin Holiday and a 2017 second-round pick for Robin Lopez, Jerrion Grant, and Jose Calderon. A huge trade. Uh, we heard last week or the week or a week prior, Ian Begley of ESPN report that the Knicks had internal discussions uh, involving a trade for Derek Rose, who has one year left on his uh on his deal guys we we spoke about this, but what does this mean for the draft uh with the knicks because they were they were reportedly very aggressive in in looking for a way to get a second round pick as they did in the in the past with Phil jackson purchasing a second round pick. What does this mean to, the, to their draft efforts tomorrow night? Do they try to aggressively get a pick? And if so, do they still go guard? Now, they did waive Tony Roden, but you've got you to gotta say to yourself, well, now their starting point guard situation is pretty much solved. Do they still go point guard? Or do they go shooting guard? Where do you guys think they go if they do acquire a second-round pick? Remember, Boston has like five second-round picks, so that's a potential team that could trade with them. Where do you guys think they go?
2: I still think if they trade into the second round, I still think that's a possibility. And if they do, definitely not a point guard now, but they still need some type of of scoring from the wing, maybe a shooting guard or a small forward in the second round. There's a lot of good guards. A couple of names that come to mind for me in the second round, Kay Felder from Oakland, or maybe Malcolm Brogdon, even though Malcolm Brogdon's 24 years old. He's, that's the big knock on him is his age, and if the Knicks are looking for a guy that you could develop in the second round, he might not be the guy because he's already 24 years old. But he's a good two-way player, and the league's turning into players that, guards that can shoot but also d up, d up. so, you know, solid two-way option for the Knicks if they are able to move in and grab maybe a Celtics second-rounder.
0: Yeah, I think this Derrick Rose trade has really settled the organization down. I don't think they're going to be desperate to get a pick, Um I think they're going to be adding spots in their roster through free agency. We talked about Dwight Howard, something like that. Um, Every team needs scoring on the wings, but especially in this draft, I can't see anyone who they can really justify working hard to get and saying, you know, this guy's going to come, he's going to really help. Any, any pick that they can get, I think any player that could have an impact will already be off the board, you know. If they can get a – I mean, they can't, but if they can get a 15th pick – or, or a 14th pick or something like that, then I'm like, okay, they can find someone who can help score on the outside. Yeah. But I don't think they can. So any second round pick they get may be intriguing, but it may not have an impact long term.
1: Yeah, man, I like Malcolm Brogdon. That's, that's a name that I've been kind of focusing on for the past couple of days for the Knicks is if they are able to get a second round pick. And I fully expect Phil Jackson to, to get a second round pick because he's from his language he seems to put it, be putting an emphasis on the draft and rightfully so it's a breath of fre- it's a it's a breath of fresh air malcolm brogdon they still have a two guard hole because aaron aflalo opted out of his deal with the knicks so they still need help at the two guard position malcolm brogdon is a guy who's six foot five can really defend sure is he's not the most athletic player on the on the planet yes he's a little older but you're talking about an NBA-ready guy who can defend, and he's smart on the court, and he hits open shots. And I think Malcolm Brogdon could slide into that starting two guard, guard role for the Knicks if they really needed him to. But Do you think you can really like have that big of an impact? I do. I mean, he, he wouldn't be asked to, to have that much of a scoring impact because you'll have Rose now with Melo and Porzingis and whoever else they get at center. So you need Brogdon to sort of just play within himself and, and sort of stretch the floor. He can hit the three. Um and and he can and he's a smart player. That's something that at Virginia he was noted to be was a very smart okay. player. And he's a big defensive guy. Yeah, you kind of S- changed my mind. Then I
0: think maybe that might be nice. I just as as drafts go in the NBA, I, anyone in the second round, I always figure is very unlikely to ever make an impact. So I always question how how big of a deal it is to get a second pick. But you're right. That does sound it sounds really appealing. And if there's a chance, why not go and get
2: it? And yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Matt. It's very tough. I was just thinking of Reed saying it's tough to get a second-round guy that provides any type of value. It's it's tough for these teams to find Draymond Greens and Chandler Parsons, but maybe the Knicks trade up and they think that they have a good shot at finding someone like that. Maybe it's Malcolm Brogdon. But the thing about Brogdon that's a little concerning to me, he was a very high-percentage three-point shooter at Virginia and a great defender, but his shot angle is a little low, like where he releases from. So there are concerns about the NBA game. Will he get his shot blocked a lot? But overall – he seems like a great character player to add to any team, and especially with a Aflalo not coming back, there is a hole there at the two guard.
1: Yeah, and, and, and let's shift to the Nets. They have the 55th overall pick in the second round. Uh, they would have had the 33rd had it not been for a trade with the Clippers that allowed the Clippers to swap second-round picks. So the Nets have a pick. It's late. It's five picks from the bottom. But there are also reports that they want to get into the late first round. Maybe a guy like Demetrius Jackson from Notre Dame they could potentially get. Kenny Atkinson's their coach. Sean Marks is their GM. I like the combo, and Kenny Atkinson's a point guard coach who's going to give his point guard a lot of freedom and needs a good point guard for his system. Do you see the Nets potentially moving into that late first round area?
0: I see them really making an effort to do that. And you talked about Jackson, who I think is a very underrated player in this draft. Um... He's someone who can get to anywhere on the floor he wants. You know, he's undersized, and especially the way the NBA is going, a lot of people tend to count out smaller players because there's not many successful ones in the league, let's be honest, right? Um, I think he's an explosive player who can really score. Now, will he be able to handle the NBA defense? Will he be able to do the same things he did in college? I'm not sure, but if I'm the Nets... I'm still suffering from that horrible deal you made a couple of years ago. Oh, that's and a so bad one. I'm doing whatever I can possible to try and come out of this draft with something because, again, I don't know if you can get anything with that 55th pick. I think you'd do exactly what you just said. Try and, get, try and get late into this draft and take someone like Jackson and then see where you can go from there.
2: For me, the Nets have the 55th pick right now, the – one of the last in the second round. I misspoke earlier talking about the Knicks. I mentioned Kay Felder's name. I actually have him on my Nets radar here because he's a true point guard and definitely doesn't really fit with what the Knicks are doing now after today's Derrick Rose trade. But for the Nets, they need a lot, and they don't really have a lot of guys on their roster that could be considered go-to guys right now. And Kay Felder played at a small school in Oakland where he was the guy. He averaged 24.2 points per game, which was fourth in the NCAA So, he knows what it's like to carry a team that doesn't have a lot of talent around him, even though it's the NBA and the role players in the NBA are a heck of a lot better. I think maybe you build around a point guard like that, bring him in. He's used to scoring, he's used to carrying the load. He might not be a bad option that late in the draft.
1: Yeah, and and another guy I forgot to mention with the Knicks and the Nets is Isaiah Whitehead, the Seton Hall guy, who's a very talented point guard who can really play. He can even play the two if you really need him to. He can really score. Um, You know, I, I see the Nets their only problem being is they probably had the least amount of assets of any team even now i mean now the knicks probably the least amount of assets considering they traded grant and lopez but i don't know how the nets can get into the late first maybe jarrett jack's a guy that they find a deal for uh maybe thaddeus young i don't know if they want to give up thaddeus young it's going to be interesting to see how the nets try to get into the first round if not they're going to just be stuck in that second round area and i see a guy like felder probably being their number one option or or another guard like Whitehead. they really don't have a lot of options the nets and they don't have uh they're not in control of their first round pick until 2019 gosh because they they the celtics can swap picks with them next year and the celtics have their 2018 first round pick so it's kind of bleak for the nets they're gonna have to figure something out sean Marks is gonna have to work his magic but it's gonna take some time but that's the Knicks and the Nets. We don't have to be so down on today's podcast. We can start moving into our last little segment before we wrap this up. Uh, real quickly, guys, I just want to touch on who who are your overvalued and undervalued prospects in this draft. Matt?
2: Uh, as far as undervalued guys go, I think Bryce Johnson from North Carolina. He's projected as a late first, but he's not getting a lot of love. He set the single-season record for double-doubles at UNC, and I think num- at pick 20, Indiana, Larry Bird might have a lot of influence on that. He supposedly loves Bryce Johnson and that might be a spot for the big man from North Carolina undervalued or overvalued. I should say, I'm not a big Tyler Uless fan, but after reading Reed's mock draft, if he does go to the Spurs at the end of the first round, that could be a great, great landing spot for him, even though he's only about a a buck 60 soaking wet.
0: (laughs) Um, yeah. So I was, I was going to say, I think my undervalued player is Tyler Uless. Uh, a big part of that is I do think he 's going to drop in this draft, but we talked about this before the podcast that Isaiah Thomas has, has proven that just because you 're a small guy and, and he is he 's five nine does not mean you can 't succeed in the nBA and I think besides his height, he has all the tools and the ability to not just become a good point guard in this league but to potentially become an elite point guard in this league and so I think um, he 's going to be someone we 're going to look back at and be like really why didn't he go so why didn 't he go earlier? Um, someone who I think is overvalued I, you always hate to say that you know with guys like this because you don't really ever want to say someone's going to bust but I do as much as I love Buddy Healed, I definitely could see him five four years from now kind of just fading away yeah. you know maybe out shooting himself out of the league, or, or just never really developing. I don't want him to. He's one of my favorite players in this draft, and I want him to succeed. Steph
1: Curry may have made us may have made us a little delusional with uh, Buddy.
0: Yeah, here. yeah, and and lucky for him, and and a lot of these three point series, the NBA is catering t- more towards them. But I, I would say he he does have a lot to lose, just because a lot of people believe he should be better than maybe he can.
1: Yeah. You know, Matt, I agree with you with Bryce Johnson. He's a guy who I circled as the most undervalued player in this draft. He's a guy that's dropped out of the lottery area uh, from what I'm seeing on uh, from most mock drafts, and I'm surprised. I think he's a great prospect. He's a big rebounder, a guy who has a mid-range jump shot, extremely athletic, uh, has, has a character to him that will inspire the team. I really fell in love with Bryce Johnson in the tournament, and I'm surprised he's dropping out of the lottery area. Another guy is Wade Baldwin. I, I like his, his ability at the point guard position to just knock down shots. Um, as for overvalued, I'm going with Malachi Richardson. I'm a Syracuse fan. I, I have my, A lot of my family went to Syracuse, but I see it time and time again. Syracuse prospects are too raw, and they come out after one year, and they rarely work out. Johnny Flynn, Deontay Green, uh, Dante Green. They have a lot of guys that don't make it in the NBA, as good as they are in college, and that's because they don't spend enough time in college. Uh, so I see Malachi Richardson, if he's a lottery pick, or even a mid-first-round guy, while the potential's there, he, he I think he's rushing it. And, apparently
2: uh, apparently the Grizzlies gave uh, Richardson a promise that he won't fall past 17, so that would fall into the picks where you're saying might yeah. be a little bit of a reach for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's a talented guy, but it, it's just Syracuse... Every year, it seems, pumps out these talented guys that come out way too soon and they need another year in Bayheim's system. And they need another year it, to develop, and, and they rush it. Is that Syracuse's fault? Or do you think? Oh, it's I don't just, know. It, it's,
0: it's, yeah. it's, it's just a coincidence.
1: I don't know if it's Syracuse's fault, but a trend has occurred where, you know, we see guys go one and done almost every year. Tyler Ennis is another guy. Um, Michael, uh, M- Michael Carter-Williams, who was rookie of the year, now he's not looking too good not that that was because he left early he actually spent a couple years at Syracuse but Syracuse prospects don't always end up being as good as they're hyped up to be really the only one recently is Carmelo Anthony um so i see Malachi Richardson as sort of fitting into that trend and continuing it
2: and it might not be a good sign that Malachi Richardson had the worst field goal percentage on two point shots in the entire country last year
1: yeah i mean, it's 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 he's a streaky shooter and uh it could be, it could, it's going to be a very interesting draft, as you guys said. A lot's going to happen. I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of trades. I'm looking forward to what you guys have to say. We're going to have a post-draft podcast on Friday, um, the three of us, and we're going to have plenty more with free agency, and, and, and there's going to be a lot happening right now uh, in the NBA season. It's not over just because the title's here um, with Cleveland. We still have plenty to talk about, and I can't wait. Guys, thanks so much for coming on the show today.
2: Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.